Can you guys put your hands together for uh, the worship team? Can you put your hands together for you? You guys were awesome. I think even, even Kaz sounded good. No, no, you all, it was beautiful. Can I, can I just give me a wave if you sense God this morning? Give me a wave. There's a few tears, a bit of this, a bit of that. See, serving God isn't, isn't this terrible struggle in life. It is the most marvelous, wonderful thing you were made for. And when you, t- you, you were given breath to praise him. He put breath in your lungs to lift him up. That's what you're made for. And when you do what you're made for, he touches you. It's an amazing thing. Crazy, crazy. Praise the Lord. Give me, give me a shout. A praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know, man. That was okay. But I oh, don't know. Give me a praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Excellent. I didn't hear you, Dale, but next one, I'll hear you. Anyway, welcome everybody to church. Um, uh, so we're not here, as Pekka said, for any other reason but to lift up the name of Jesus. Yes, we have a name called Ignite. Uh, yes, you know, we have pastors and all this stuff. But we're here because of Jesus. And we're here to worship him and learn, learn more of him. Um, I kind of want to just um, take you on a little journey. Father, I thank you for the word. You know, Father, the word has tremendous power. The word when it's touched by your breath. Breath of God. Breathe in our hearts. Breathe life. Breathe over the darkness. Set hearts free. Breathe over my words, Lord. Let them be yours. Amen. So what I want to do, I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit of a rough thing about Ignite, but then I just want to talk to you about what I think or where I think the future lies for us. Hallelujah. Can we put up uh, Matthew 28, 18? It's called the Great Commission. The Great Commission, Jesus had spent all this time on the planet and uh, he had been crucified, uh, buried, and he rose from the dead And then he gave some instructions to those who were his church before he went to be with the Father. The words that he spoke, all his words are tremendously important, but it is so important for churches to understand what Jesus said at the last moments before he went to heaven. So this is what's what's called the Great Commission. Jesus gave those who were his believers, those who he had trained up, those who would would come after this, this thing called the Great Commission. Uh, so Matthew, uh, Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission, built inside that Great Commission, is the purpose of every church and every Christian that finds Christ. 2,000 years later, 
that commission has not changed. In fact, I don't think even more a time in history has it required the church to understand its great commission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil is trying to tell the church all over the world that it's not important, the, the media, this, this, and this. But friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from darkness. And sadly, some people are believing it. Hallelujah. Now, can you put up our mission statement, David, please? Our mission statement as Ignite Life Churches is built around the Great Commission. Loving God, loving people. We are a church of disciples, making disciples, training leaders to transform the world for the kingdom of God. That's our purpose. That's our core, very essence of who we are. Love God, love people, make disciples. We're not here to get conversions or people for, you know, make a, make a commitment to Jesus and live like the devil. We're not here to, to make people or help people find Christ and then they do their own thing. Our purpose is to help you become a follower of Christ. Hallelujah. And then you become a disciple who goes out then and makes other disciples followers of Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, that's our purpose. And you'll notice in there it says to train leaders. We need leaders in order for us to keep training, to teach, just like Jesus had leaders and he developed leaders. That's a lot of our purpose as a church. Now, we are a multi-sited church, whatever you like to say. We're based out of Yarrawonga. Uh, we have three campuses here in Australia. Uh, I'm hearing another one coming in my spirit from God, just nobody else knows but me and Pekka. But anyway, we'll, we'll get there. There's another one coming, um, if I'm hearing right. And we also have in Uganda, we have, uh, we have a Bible school here in Yarrawonga. Darren runs our Bible school here. Its purpose is to train leaders, train Pastors. Now, in Uganda, that God has sent us to the end of the earth for us. It's on the other side of the planet, a long, long, long way away. And over there, we now have uh, nine campuses. Over there, we have four schools where there are more than a thousand children that we're looking after over there. Um, we have a Bible school that's training 30 to 40 pastors every year. Uh, and an advanced class that trains more of those guys who've done the first course into that. And then we select from that uh, those who we believe have taken on board our culture and we look to plant more churches in Uganda. Hallelujah. Now, Greg and Kaz, they pastor the Cobram campus. Uh, Darren is about to uh, pastor the Cobram, uh, the Yarrawonga campus. Uh, Darren is married to Zoe. I still don't know why Dar uh, Zoe married Darren. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't look very good looking to me, but I think it might be because there's something better inside of him. No, he's a good looking guy. Uh, Zoe is busy being a mum at the moment, but you know, as, as life goes on, as our processes grow, she will also step into that realm to help Darren. But at this stage, Darren will be the campus pastor as of uh, the end of this month. And uh, Pekka and I, my beautiful wife, so God has given us this responsibility as senior pastors, senior leaders, to try to uh, bring governance and leadership to this thing that God has made. And it's not about uh, the person at the top. It's not about, you know, the name. This is about Jesus and following the Great Commission. Do you get me? Amen. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, by the grace of God, we've been able to achieve some pretty cool stuff. And it is only by the grace of God, eh? Uh, and by faith and trusting in Him. 
hallelujah, that we've gotten to where we are now. But I want to talk to you about where does the future lie and going ahead. And I want to use a little kind of scripture based out of when Jesus was, was with the disciples and um, he'd gone up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He'd taken um, uh, James and John and Peter up there with him and uh, Peter was being a bit of a bonehead trying to make tents and all this kind of stuff. And a voice from heaven came down and Jesus began to glow and be transformed or transfigured into this uh, being of light. And then they're coming down the mountain uh, and as they come down to the mountain, there's a crowd that's gathered. And this crowd is gathered, and there are the rest of the disciples there. And um, there's kind of a commotion going on. And there are even scribes and Pharisees there who are having an argument with the disciples. And there was a man there also who um, was desperate. He was desperate because his son had epilepsy. And the disciples uh, who had remained had tried to pray for this guy, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Previous to this, the disciples had been sent out by Jesus two by two and they'd seen miracles and they were so amazed and people were healed and demons were uh, delivered from people. But something at this point happened where these disciples were not able to deal with this particular situation. Jesus steps into that moment. Hallelujah. And he was not overly kind. Very challenging words. So he steps in. The man comes to him and says, Jesus, you, your disciples couldn't do it. I'm desperate. Can you help me? Here's the response. So Jesus uh, heals the son. But he says this in Matthew 17, 17. Now we're going to go a little bit over um, because this is an important day uh, in our time. So um, then Jesus answered and said, this is to the disciples and people gathered around. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Bring him here. I mean, I don't know if you can say that quite. I don't know if I could say that nicely. I don't think he said it nicely. He didn't say it because he didn't want to, you know, he didn't say it nice and gently so he didn't want to offend. He was looking to offend them. He was looking to challenge them. And uh, he heals the guy and then the disciples are like, what the, you know, and this, guy, this boy gets healed. And then they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what went wrong? How come we didn't have the authority to deliver this boy from the captivity and bondage that he had? So Jesus, oh, this is in verse 20 to 21, Matthew 17, 20 to 21. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Here's the design that Jesus has for the church. Nothing will be impossible for you. The church is meant to be a place that has an environment when nothing seems impossible. Wow, what a challenge. And then he says in verse 21, However, lack of faith, however, this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. Not enough faith, doing some good stuff, 
but their faith still was contaminated with some form of doubt. And Jesus is trying to lift the bar of those who will go on to fulfill the Great Commission. All over the planet right now, I believe that there is a thirst and people are going to Jesus and saying, Lord, why isn't this happening? God, help us have more faith. God, help us have more authority. God, help us have more power. Right? That's where we're at. We've got some good stuff happening. But friends, there is, a, there is so much further for where God's trying to take us as a church, trying to take you as a believer, trying to take each of our campuses. We need to be lifting our faith level. He gives us a pathway. He says, prayer and fasting. Have you read my Thursday thoughts on uh, Thursday? <laughs> I'm sorry. You would have read my Thursday thoughts. And I gave the definition of prayer as basically communication with God. Communication is not a one-way street. Communication and prayer is not, God do this, God do that, God do this. Communication is listening more than you're talking to him because he wants to speak. So he gave them this key called prayer, which requires us to set aside time, shut our mouths a little bit, and wait and listen. And maybe do it without eating some food for a while. You all look so enthusiastic about it. Hallelujah. If you want more, you've got to pay the price. If we want more... It's like that song. We've got to shake off some of this religion and we've got to seek the one who gives the more. There ain't no cheap road, friends. There ain't no easy way down this and there's a bit of us giving up some stuff in order for him to speak. It's a bit about us giving up some time shutting our mouths with food and talking and listen to him. You with me? Man, awesome. This is a great path ahead. And that's why you'll see at the Easter thing, we're going to run a, a week of prayer and fasting leading to Easter, a very important time in the Christian calendar. Tonight, uh, Zoran, I was at a, a dinner last night with Zoran and um, Joe, the guy who's speaking. And uh, you guys know Joe, those of you who have been with us, with, with us for a long haul. Joe came up here and ministered about eight or nine years ago. Karen knows him. Um, he's now the pastor of the campus where um, Ebony and... Um, Kevin go, you know those people that used to be here. And I, 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 I have mine when I, would talk, when I see them and I say, dude, you stole some of my people. A little joke. Anyway, I'll, I'll heal, I'm sure. But tonight is a night of fire. This has been planned before COVID because I got on pretty well that, with that guy over there and we've been talking about this for a while and then COVID got in. So that's why we want to support this because we want nights of fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I encourage you, get off your bum and come. And that's in a nice way I'm saying it. Anyway, Jesus is upping the game. If we want more, we need to do some stuff. Hallelujah. 
Prayer and fasting is part of that. Now, I want to talk to you about this thing about prayer and fasting, but also the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus not only said the Great Commission to the church before he went to heaven, in fact, his very last statement, the very last words, the very last moments that he uttered to the disciples before he went to heaven is actually to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave them the commission, get out, do it, but wait for power. Hallelujah. Let's read it. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And people go, yeah, 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 no, Holy Spirit, we're Pentecostal. And, you know, we, we might wait for an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But, friend, it's not about one time of waiting or one moment of encounter. Because we are at a moment in history when the power of God is desperately needed and the church needs more power. The church needs more of the supernatural anointing of God. And that is the, the expectation of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 4 of Acts 1, 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Friend, this was not, dudes, if you get time, you know, just, just wait on me for a moment. This is a commandment uttered at the last moments before Jesus went to heaven. He said, wait for power. Hallelujah. Waiting's a funny thing. So here's, here's a thought. Wait for power. So evidence of waiting, or how much we wait, or how much we're thirsty to wait, and we do that, uh, the other side of it is power. We have some power. But friends, we need way more. So we're not doing enough waiting. What are you laughing at, Brooke? Oh, yeah. It's all right then. There's my grandson. As long as she's not laughing at me. We need to wait more. We need to wait more for more power. Pekka went to a meeting. Greg went to the meeting last yesterday uh, for the ACC. You missed out, man. Telling you, Darren, it's what you should have heard. She told me, and I thought I should have been there. <laughs> now I had my brother and my brother-in-law, and now they're at church today. I know. No, no, good on you. You know me, Rach. The guy said, we can rush around being so busy, doing so many things, serving Jesus. Well, rush, 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 rush. But friend, where's the power in it? If there ain't power in it, friend, you're going to do a lot of rushing and a lot of busy, and it's going to amount to little. The evidence of waiting is power. I'm told in my message this morning, but wait, there's more. Now, I've used it a lot of times, but here's the point. More requires waiting. If we as a movement and we as a nation and we as the church on this planet want more, friend, we need to put the first thing there, which is to wait on God. Can I have an amen? amen. Am I speaking era? Amen. I'm getting old. I don't want to rush around doing a whole lot of stuff. You're not that old, brother. I know. He's older than me. He's old. 
Friends, as a church and as a group of a family, my message to everybody, to Africa, to here, we need to wait. And we need to wait in such a way that we're prepared to stop eating for a while. I'm encouraging people, and I'll do some teaching next week, here, about that aspect. Hallelujah. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus needed to wait for power. Think about this. Jesus came, man. He came to the planet. It says that the Word became flesh. And He came, and the Bible says in John, uh, one, uh, John 1, 14, uh, that uh, the Word became flesh. I'll, I'll read it, because, you know, we want to make sure we stick to the Word. Uh, John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh. Uh, the mouthpiece of God, the utterances of, of God became flesh. The way God created the planet, those, that very language, the ability of God to speak, became a man. Think about it. And we have seen this. This is the God. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus came with the answer, the message. But friend, he still needed the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we know that. But do we? Luke 4.18. Jesus, as he began his ministry, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's the mission of the church. He needed the anointing. It says when he came uh, and he came across John the, John the Baptist to be baptized, that they saw that, a, that the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to come down on him like a dove and it said uh, that he was anointed. He didn't set off on his task because he was the complete package. He needed the anointing presence of his Father, uh, the, the complete tri uh, the, the triune God. How arrogant are you and I if we dare to proceed and think we can do what Jesus says to do without the anointing. Yeah. How, dare, how dare we? Yeah. When you hear the language when it says the anointing, when you, when you hear that word, basically what that means, it means the finger or touch of God upon something. If someone is anointed, that means that the touch and the hand of God, the breath of God is absolutely on them. You see, when the Holy Spirit came and Jesus said to wait for power, it is described in the Greek as the pneuma. The pneuma. You know what pneuma means? It means the very breath of God. The very breath of God needed to be breathed on Jesus in order for him to proclaim the word full of grace and truth. Ever heard a preacher get up or someone on the street who sounds, and they speak in scripture, but it sounds dead and useless. Friend, because it has no breath of God. The breath of God. The pneuma. 
Do we have clever people here? Do we have fit people here? Who's fit? Who's the most fit person in the church? Jesse, jump up. I was going to say Greg, but I would be deceived. You're fit, Jesse? How many times a week do you go to the gym? Oh. You mean you're that beautiful without going to the gym? Ah. I want you, Jesse, to say Jesus is Lord without using your breath. You're fit, man. You've got big lungs. I want you to say, I saw you riding your bike the other day. I was going to run you over. I want you to say Jesus is Lord without breathing. I want you to say it. His mouth can't speak words without breath. Think of this. His mouth can't speak without breath, without breathing the life that God gave him. And see, when you hear people who stand up and they can speak the word of God, you can sit down, Jesse. And friend, if they don't have the breath of God on them, if they don't have the utterance that Jesus needed to speak the word, they've got nothing. And sadly, the church is weak because it's using natural breath to speak the word, natural abilities, natural talents, instead of the anointing. Hallelujah. That scripture that says the anointing breaks the yoke is based out of the Old Testament where the believers or the Israel was told to break free from the Assyrian powers that the, they needed the anointing to come to break the yoke of oppression and hardship. Am I getting anywhere with you? Give me an Amen. amen. Is there an anointing on this? Yes. Peck is my wife. She says that. <laughs> See, God's been speaking to me that I can rely on my talents instead of the anointing. Because I can preach. Because he gave me a gift. But friend, if I just stay in that area of my gift without the anointing, I'm powerless. And he's challenging me about the powerlessness of when I speak. Because, friend, there are people who remained bound, just like that epileptic boy, where I feel powerless to set them free. So the evidence, just like the disciples way back then, when Jesus was upping the game, Upping the game, we need to get back to the process of waiting for power from on high. Hallelujah! I've been doing fasting since, since I've come home because when I was away, this has been going on in me. God's challenging me. He's speaking harsh words to me. You have little faith, Keith. Slap. Because he wants me to lift the bar in my life. So I've started some fasting and prayer. I've got to tell you, it's been changing me. Uh, what's that word when you, when you don't eat it and you're angry? 
What is it? Hangry. Hangry or what is it? Hangry. Hangry. Dude, when I fast, don't come near me. But something's changed. I haven't been hangry. I've been hungry for him. You with me? Preach it. Fun. <laughs> we need to tip it backwards. We've got some power. We can preach. We can plant churches. We're nowhere near where he wants us to be. We have to get real, friends. You have to get real. There's a voice going across the world. There are outbreaks of God moving because people have gone back to waiting and hungry for him. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be hearing from something afar and wishing it was us. I want to do something about it. Can you give me a wave if you want to join in doing something about it? I've got four of you. Give me a wave if you want to be part of God doing more. Friends, it's your lucky day. Because we, as a church, are going to encourage you to join in. See, Greg and them are doing great because they're praying. We're allowed to be challenged by something afar. Cobham's a long way away. You get what I mean? Let's get hungry, friends. Let's join in as we move towards Easter to start seeking him. To give up some food. I don't want anybody fasting, and I'll bring some more teaching about it, if you have medical issues and whatever, you go talk to your doctor. But I don't want it as an excuse. I want you to go to your doctor. And if he says you can't, don't. We'll do it another way. But friend, if you can eat, then you can stop to seek God. Amen? Hallelujah. The saying that I used at the beginning of my message. But wait, there's more. Should say, wait for him. Wait on the Holy Spirit and then there will be more. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, please.